isn't there such a nice sense of the Ruach here in this place today? Of the... So tomorrow night begins Sukkot. The festival of Sukkot is one of the most joyous occasions on the Jewish calendar and is a prophetic picture of the Jewish people and the nations of the world coming together to worship the one true God, the God of Israel. It's amazing because it's of all of the festivals, it's the one time that we're commanded over and over and over again that we're supposed to rejoice in our festivals. In fact, the Torah instructs us in Deuteronomy chapter 16, Chag HaSukkot Ta'aselecha Shivat Yamim, you are to observe the festival of Sukkot for seven days. Vesamachta Bechagecha. Rejoice in your festival. You and your sons and your daughters, your male and your female servants, the Levites, the foreigners, the orphans, the widows living among you. Seven days you are to keep the festival for Adonai your God in this place, in the place that Adonai your God will choose because Adonai your God will bless you in all of your crops and in all of your work. Vahayita ach sameach, you are to be full of joy. This is why this festival of all the festivals is called Zaman Simchatenu, the time of our rejoicing. Because over and over and over again, and all of the imagery that is associated with all of the different components of Sukkot are all about joy. And in fact, this high holiday season is a picture of the life cycle itself. We begin with Rosh Hashanah, which is about life, right? And creation. We get to uh, Yom Kippur, which is judgment and atonement and even death. And then you come to Sukkot of joy and kind of brings it all back together in resurrection. It's a beautiful picture. Sukkot is an, originally an agricultural festival and recalls several themes. The wandering of the Jewish people in the desert for 40 years, our people's dwelling in temporary shelters called Sukkot, of God's faithfulness in providing for us and our crops, of the regathering of the Jewish people back to our land and of a future ingathering of the nations. When you read in Leviticus 23, there are two primary mitzvot that are associated with Sukkot. What are the two primary mitzvot associated with Sukkot? All right, Sukkot, right? To dwell in Sukkot in these temporary shelters that we're supposed to build. So what's the other, what's the other primary commandment? I saw people do it, but the waving of the lulav and the etrog, the four species, that Leviticus 23 tells us that in our rejoicing, we're to do something really weird. <laughs> we're supposed to take these four different species and we're supposed to wave them around in our rejoicing. It's actually wonderful and you'll get to experience that tomorrow night. So one of the primary Jewish ways we observe Sukkot is through the biblical command to dwell in a sukkah. And trust me, there's lots of instructions. Actually, it's not too complicated, but there are instructions on exactly what a sukkah, what a sukkah is. Sukkah isn't a tent. It's not a, right? Like there, there are all kinds of instructions of what it means. And it can be built out of almost anything. The main thing is that it has how many walls? Three, technically two and a half, but three. Three walls and what? What's the top? That's the most important. It's supposed to be natural. So it can be bamboo, it can be 
Uh, around here, palm fronds, where I grew up, we don't have palm trees, and so they're either corn stalks or sagebrush. <laughs> so it just depends on where you live. But it's supposed to be some kind of a natural substance, and it's supposed to be arranged in which it provides more shade than light. But it's enough light that you can look up and see the stars. And it's not supposed to be a permanent structure. Because it's a reminder of our human frailty and immortality. Like the sukkah, our earthly bodies are but temporary dwellings. While dwelling in the sukkah, we find ourselves exposed to the elements, eating our meals without certain familiar comforts, and spending time in a shelter that at any moment could be brought down by weather. During Sukkot, we are forced to recognize our constant dependence upon God. It's so interesting that we're, as we're uh, about to enter Sukkot, that people like the miners and Rabbi Murray and Rosie and others have been evacuated by the fires, which only recalls that just less than a year ago, we were also evacuated for the few days. And this time it's reversed. We went to stay with the miners. <laughs> now they're staying somewhere else because they've been evacuated this year. It's times like this that really remind us, and as you were mentioning with having to leave work, Lydia, that our lives really are very temporary. And what we have could be taken away at a moment. And we know that your house is going to be fine. <laughs> but it's that uncertainty of not knowing. And sadly, there are many people who don't have a place to come back to. Sukkot reminds us to put our priorities where they belong and on what really matters, our families, our communities. It's not stuff, it's people. Sukkot is also a prophetic glimpse into the Messianic age. It's a prophetic picture and marks our ultimate hope of salvation. According to Zechariah 14, which is the Haftarah for the first day of Sukkot, in the Messianic age, all the nations will be gathered together in Jerusalem to worship the one true God, the God of Israel. This is why Sukkot is known as Chag HaAsif, the festival of ingathering. Why? Because Sukkot is a glimpse of a greater harvest, a greater ingathering. It's the one holiday that whether you like it or not, in the Messianic age, everybody will do, right? <laughs> I mean, all of heaven will actually celebrate all of the festivals, but this is the one that is such a beautiful picture of Israel and the nations coming together beautifully in order to worship the one true God. On that temple mount, in that place that was supposed to be a, a house of prayer for all nations. Because... Sukkot is that glimpse indeed of a greater harvest, a greater ingathering. For it is during Sukkot we are taught that a day will come when all nations will be gathered together, Jews and non-Jews, to worship the God of Israel. The Jewish people are called to be or legoyim, a light to the nations. From the beginning, God's desire to reconcile humanity back to God's self is mirrored most vividly in this festival of tabernacles. God's desire has always been macro to teach all of humanity, beginning with the people, with the Jewish people, and then to all of the nations 
the message of redemption. We even see this not only throughout all of the, uh, the themes of Sukkot, but even the actual procedures of Sukkot. On Sukkot is the only time that there were 70 bulls that were offered throughout the, the week of Sukkot. Each day, there would be 10 different bulls corresponding all the way up to 70. What is the significance of 70? Right. According to Genesis 10, 70 is the symbolic number that represents all of the nations of the world. That on Sukkot, Israel is actually interceding on behalf of all of the world. That on Sukkot, the high priest and the priesthood and the Levites, that they were offering sacrifices on behalf of the nations, recognizing that one day all the nations would turn to God. So even within the Torah, we get a small glimpse of God's compassion and concern, not just for Israel, but for the nations as well. Within Revelation 7, which is the reading that we'll be reading, I believe, next week for Shabbat Sukkot. A vast crowd of martyrs representing every nation, tribe, and language are gathered around the throne of heaven in front of the Lamb. And they're holding palm branches and singing psalms of praise and adoration. If you're not familiar with the Jewish holidays, you will totally lose the symbolism that's going on here. When do we hold palm branches and sing psalms of praise? It's called Hallel. When do we do that? On Sukkot, <laughs> right? And they're dressed in white, which is what we do on Hoshana Rabbah. They are holding palm branches and singing psalms and praise and adoration where it says, victory to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and Ever. That's good stuff, people. <laughs> this is good stuff. I'm getting excited. This imagery is right out of Zechariah 14, when it is a picture of a time to come when all of the nations of the world will come to Jerusalem carrying their lulav and etrog, singing hallel, and dressed in their finest attire to praise and worship the Lord, our Lord and King. Sukkot is a prophetic festival. This is why it's known as Chag HaAsif, this festival of ingathering, because it's a prophetic allusion to a greater time to come. The Feast of Tabernacles reminds us of God's daily provision and the temporary nature of our own lives. Yet Sukkot also teaches us that one day we will see the Lamb, our righteous Messiah, and we will all be caught up together in heavenly ascent. As we celebrate Sukkot beginning tomorrow night, I pray that we will all experience a taste of the world to come. Rabbono Shalom, Master of the Universe. I pray that as we begin this joyous time of Sukkot, as we begin to bring to a conclusion this high holiday season, that you would move powerfully within us. I think all of us have been, uh, you know, I've been hearing the chatter and direct conversations as we're all feeling this really wonderful energy at this time and season. 
not only because it's the high holiday season, but we can sense that you are doing something great in this community, that you are doing a, a new work built upon the foundation that was laid before us. God, I pray that we would be your servants to follow in your way, that you would do the work that you want to see within us as a community, as individuals, as a people, in order for what? Not to pat ourselves out on the back, but to change the world, to prepare the world for the return of Mashiach, that we can have more of the kind of conversations that Lydia had last night, whether it's in a mall, <laughs> whether it's around our dining room table, whether it's in your sukkah this week, whether it's at our Shabbat dinner. In all things and in all ways and in all places, be prepared to account for the faith that you have within you. God, prepare us so that we can have an impact on the world around us. Thank you, God, for Sukkot. Thank you for the work that you're doing within us, within our synagogue. We lift all of this to you in the name of Yeshua. Amen. So if